Well, hello, everyone, and welcome again to Channel Talks. Uh, we're going two years into Channel Talks now, and uh, we've uh, promised not to be prolific and, and uh, only focus on uh, masterclasses, if you like. Uh, that's sort of the feedback that we've been getting. Uh, and uh, I'm so excited because we've had our most common guest, Jay McBain, who <laughs> joins us from this time from Canalis, uh, the chief analyst uh, uh, for Channels, Partners and Ecosystems at Canalis. Obviously, uh, uh, everyone knows Jay. Uh, well uh, regarded and uh, highly re high reward and highly acknowledged 2021 uh, Channel Influence of the Year, voted by everyone. Um, mm -hmm. So we're very, very excited to have you back, Jay. Thank you very much for joining Channel Talks. And of course, uh, Scott Frew, who is the founder and CEO of ISF.com, who brings in the practical realities of everything that we talk about and keeps us in line based on what's really happening. Today, I'm pretty uh, excited because we're going to be uh, talking about what our uh, viewers uh, want to know about most, particularly uh, given that we have both Jay and Scott, because we've had a whirlwind of uh, of change, uh, particularly over the last two years. Uh, but boy, haven't we seen a lot in the last two years from a global uh, perspective with, God knows, every, every uh, challenge that could happen has happened. And hasn't it affected the channel so much? And what I wanted to talk about initially, well, what people want to hear about initially, gentlemen, is uh, what you guys are seeing in reality as to what's happening right now, given the, you know, the geoeconomic crisis and climate, uh, what's happening from a, from a pandemic point of view, what's happening from an inflation point of view, how it's affecting everything. And in particular, some, uh, uh, something that shocked me, gentlemen, is uh, what people want to know in terms of valuations of these new SAS uh, organizations as what's happening to them, given that, you know, you need to get someone's money to start this stuff and what that money is worth now, given the, the drop in valuations everywhere and capital markets not uh, behaving at all. And uh, that's what I wanted to uh, start to talk to you guys about in terms of what you're seeing in so far as SAS play, uh, how it's being able to uh, manage all that, how it's been able to combat all those uh, influences and the good news into, uh, that you guys are seeing is how this is folding out from an ecosystem point of view, because this one is going to be all about ecosystems, particularly given the uh, success of the last uh, uh, channel talks that we did with Alan uh, Alda. So, Jay, may I ask you first, what are you seeing practically? What's changed? And in particular, has there been much of a lens, uh, with, a, with a little bit of a lens change going from uh, Forrester to Canales? What are you seeing that is obvious to you that needs to be tended to immediately? Yeah, first of all, I'm excited to join Canalis because uh, it is the world's leading analyst firm that focuses every day on partnerships and channels and ecosystems and alliances, uh, what's really gonna drive this decade of the ecosystem. So uh, I wake up with over a hundred people uh, in different countries around the world that are both challenging, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, where everything is going from their local vantage point and different knowledge of different layers of, of the ecosystem and, and channels um, historically. And obviously with, um, you know, different views in, in ter terms of where we go forward. So uh, for me, it's a, it's a huge um, upgrade in talent. And for my own research, it provides so much more data, so much more kind of worldview than, than I ever had before. So it's exciting. Uh, we could spend the whole hour talking about macro type of events. Uh, we're all watching inflation and supply chain, the, the war in Europe that none of us would have expected in our lifetime. Yeah. And uh, among other uh, things that are happening in the stock markets mm -hmm. around the world, and mm -hmm. like you mentioned, politics and, and things like that. But, you know, I think we're, uh, we're talking at a layer here of 
um, you know, how to, how do companies focus on this? How do professionals focus on this in 2022? Uh, how do you start thinking about it next year? How do you start thinking about it in the years to come? Yep. And that's where I think we can pro- probably provide the most value here. Yeah. I, I, I just, uh, I, I really like what you said because it's starting to, it's starting, it sounds that from the tone of your voice that there is hope, there is goodness, <laughs> there is, there is some level of excitement that we can focus on and worry about that rather and worry about the things we can manage rather, and, and go with the trends and go with the trends, which is what I'll be drilling into uh, this uh, channel talks. Scott, what, what's your take on what you're seeing? Because you are, I mean, just a conversation the other day with, with you, we're drinking from the fire hose here. There is so much coming in, but there, at the same time, there's so much. Please tell me what to do. Uh, there is, Nick. I mean, in the, the bowels of channels and vendors and distributors and VARs and SPs, um, I see, especially in the vendor land, um, polarisation. So there's the vendors that are ahead of the, you know, it's the standard adoption curve. There's vendors ahead of the curve that understand the ecosystem and they're part of this larger play, whether it's through partnerships uh, at a technology level or the underlying channel that supports them. And then there's these crazy vendors that are going polar opposite, which is to try and control the whole transaction and, and you know, um, a certain level of arrogance, I guess, making their channel re-enter all sorts of data into redundant portals because they think they want, they want absolute control over what's going on below them. So I see this polarisation happening at the moment. There's still a fair, you know, middle ground who are sitting on the fence and trying to manage it with, um, you know, uh, historically built systems or through ERP or whatever. Uh, but I see this definite polarisation and, and with Jay and Alan and various other parties out there, I mean, it's great to have some support. I've been banging on about channel ecosystems for 14 years. Uh, so it's nice to see that move uh, forward now. Um, but as I said, surprisingly enough, I'm seeing a lot of vendors going completely the opposite route. Yeah, I, I'm glad you said that because we're starting to get language now. And Jay, you've been someone who has been creating some of that language with you know, the, the decade of the ecosystem and ecosystem economics and, uh, and whatnot, which means that it's a reality and it's something and it's a plan. It's something that people can do. One of the things that you mentioned, Scott, was, you know, data all over the place. Uh, and we are starting to see a lot of singular uh, players are still insisting on use my portal, use my portal, use my portal. Uh, and that's not an ecosystem. Uh, Jay, what are you seeing uh, as a change? Because what what's happening to to uh, us at iasset.com, for example, is um, no uh, at least at a transaction level, at a, at, a, at, a, at, a, at a management of the transactions, we just want to go to one place, and we want there to be glue, and we want there to be you know tentacles all over the place. And to use one of your expressions, it's uh, it's uh, it's almost interstellar. It's just galaxies everywhere that need to be connected. I just I, I can't remember the word you used. Uh, celestial. That's it. Um, the, and 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 we are seeing that. You mentioned that uh, in our last channel talks, and we are now seeing that it's a it's actually a reality. But the resistance is amazing in terms of vendors still wanting to you know, just use ours. Uh, what changes are you seeing? And from a from a partner's perspective as well, what kind of conversations can they be having with their ecosystem partners to make what's practical for them a reality rather than what's convenient for a vendor to be a reality. 
Yeah, absolutely. We can make this conversation, you know, really complex with deep models and frameworks and templates and stuff. But yeah. I like to simplify things. Please. It's, it's not as it's never as complex as, as we try to map out the stars and, and everything else. Uh, for me, it rolls back mm, to the people, yeah. the processes and the programs, the underlying technology, you know, things that I can quantify. So when I talk about the people around ecosystems, in previous calls with you, I've made several predictions about, you know, people changing jobs and new organizational structures. Well, guess what? Since the last time we talked, it's starting to take shape. Microsoft and AWS and Google and a couple of weeks ago, IBM and Sage and Rackspace and others. There's a whole list now of vendors that have gone into the ecosystem chief era. A person that reports to the CEO, sits in the boardroom, and now has six vice presidents. One of those vice presidents is your traditional channel chief, where at IBM, for example, now reports to an ecosystem chief, but starting to talk organizationally. If you go to LinkedIn, you'll find out that there's 11,000 people now with ecosystem in their title at director level and above. Amazing. You'll find out that there's 500,000 people that use the word ecosystem as what they do. So we're starting to see the world through their lens. What do these 11,000 people read? Where do they go? Who do they follow? What kind of conversations are they having? And then you get into the process automation. You get into some of the programmatic elements. And then what I love to talk about is the tech stack underneath it. Yep. What modeled out the decade of marketing, what modeled out the decade of sales was the technology underneath it. Yes. When that CMO 10 years ago went from 58 years old to a 38-year-old growth hacker, there was changes there. And a couple of weeks ago, the new MarTech stack was just published for this year with 9,932 companies competing. That's a technology change. So if you look at my tech stack from last year, look at it to this year, there's now 222 companies. But those companies earned $3.8 billion with a B from private equity last year. There yeah, is yeah. hundreds of millions of dollars of checks being written up and down the tech stack. And we're starting to look at, for example, the ecosystem management category, something I added a couple of years ago on a whim because I had no other place to put some of these logos. Uh, well, it went from 17 logos to 33 to now over 60. But that growth just in that small little category in three years have now achieved what took PRM 30 years yeah. to drive a half billion dollar market tamp. Mm -hmm. These are incredible quantifiable you know, either it's people or it's programmatic or it's technology changes driving now year two into this decade of the ecosystem. Right. So is the, is the change um, now, is, what, what you're talking about is obvious. It's happening. Scott's seeing it as well. He talks about it all the time. Um, is, is, Scott, are you starting to see that these predictions that, 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 that Jay's been making and getting spot on for, for, for so long, uh, starting to monetize, starting to turn into real dollars? Uh, look, I think so, Nick. I still think even though there's a lot of us out there, there's, it's still very early in the piece. As I said, you've got, you know, these binary sort of vendors, if you like. The distributors are all struggling to work out where they sit in their uh, place in the world. And the, the VARs, to a certain extent, are trying to turn themselves into consumption model economic uh, providers where a lot of them have come from historically, you know, 10 plus maintenance type sales. So there are absolutely some, and there's a movement in that market. What I'd like to pull apart with Jay's comment is the other CEO, the chief uh, ecosystem officer, 
how do you see, I always see that um, the other CEO replacing the, the channel manager, but you, you expect the channel manager to still survive inside that environment. How do you see that fitting? Yeah, we've been watching that very carefully. So for all the ecosystem chiefs, that's 100% of ecosystem chiefs now in place. None of them have ever shown up on a CRN channel chief list or some yeah, channel yeah. chief list around the world. Yeah. So we do know one thing. Uh, the source of these people, a lot of them are coming from McKinsey and Bain and Boston Consulting and Big SI. So very intellectually driven people in terms of figuring out all these moving parts. Interesting that they haven't promoted a transactional channel person into that role. And I think it's on purpose. And understanding that the scale of technology alliances, strategic alliances, business alliances, this new influence channel, which is a marketing function, yep. this new retention channel, which is a customer success function. And obviously at the point of transaction, uh, you've got partner assist. We talked last time about the growth of marketplaces. Well, 24% of marketplace activity now is actually driven by either partners or direct salespeople walking the customer in and even pressing buy on their behalf. So this whole partner assist function, even at the point of transaction, is getting a lot of attention from people that didn't grow up in the traditional linear, you know, supply chain through distribution model of building channels, which has been synonymous with the point of sale. And uh, that's kind of one interesting thing that we, we saw. So a couple of those companies, uh, Microsoft and uh, Google, for example, ended up replacing their channel uh, leader and, and that person um, left the company. Uh, in the case of Microsoft, that person who did that last year just quit last week. So we're seeing some churn. And I want to double click right. on Microsoft because a lot of the ecosystem, uh, what we'll call quantified view of the future, they dropped about five bombs in the channel uh, early yeah. this year. Yeah. And yeah. all five yeah. of those combined actually present a model for 35,000 other vendors who are probably going to have to follow many of the same things that Microsoft had to do as kind of the leader uh, in, in this space, in, in turning into an ecosystem model. Um, but it, it's going to be very interesting to, to dissect that one, use that as a case study, industry case study, for every other, not only channel leader, but now ecosystem leader as well. Yeah, to, to cement your point though, Jay, um, one of our largest customers or largest new customers, the CEO that's been uh, installed is ex-McKinsey. So that mm. goes to your point. So when we when when you talk to these people, Scott and Jay, when you're you're observing all this, um, these the, the, yeah they're not traditional channel guys, they're or girls, they're they're just business people who follow trends and execute. What would their KPIs be? Well, for me, it's a it's interesting because that's kind of the root of where I come. You know, how do you when, when you have these six different swim lanes that I talked about? You know, you've got, let's say you're, you're the new ecosystem chief, you're, you're reporting to the CEO, uh, you're not called the CEO either. Um, the CEO is not going to share that uh, acronym with you. <laughs> the other CEO. <laughs> uh, but you are the ecosystem chief. And now you've been instructed and enabled and funded to go hire six vice presidents. Some of those may already exist in your organization, the head of technology alliances, your APIs, your SDKs, your co-innovation, your value creation, your network effects. By the way, those KPIs um, exist and, and they've existed for a while. And uh, you're working with these companies obviously to drive new innovation, uh, drive new customer conversations, 
you're working with some of them to drive more revenue directly as co-share, co-revenue models and, and things like that. But in a lot of cases, you're working with them post-sale, driving greater adoption of your products, driving greater integrations and stickiness. So even if the customer doesn't like you, they can't pull you out. Mm-hmm. Driving greater uh, retention, renewal rates through upsell, cross-sell and enrichment. Now as a subscription consumption model, you're being driven to 108% retention. Right. For every customer you lose, you have to take one of your current customers and double them up. Yeah. Right. You saw what happened to Netflix a couple of weeks ago when that goes wrong. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you lose sixty yeah. percent yeah. of your co- company value overnight. Yeah. So as all these companies, as we talked about on our last call, have rushed into this new model, this business model, and committed a hundred percent. You've got the Dells of the world, the HPs of the world. You've got the Lenovo's of the world. You've got the Cisco's of the world. You've got everybody lining up into this new subscription consumption model. You know, with the whole point of your revenue, your profit, your customer sat, the things you've lived on for decades kind of fades to, to the back. Now you're being judged on your subscribers, mm, your mm, new subscribers mm, this mm, period, and your churn rate. Mm, you know, these mm. are just three new KPIs overall. Yeah. And your ecosystem chief have to align to those three new KPIs. Mm. So your head of strategic alliances, your head of business mm. alliances, your head of influence channel, those first 28 moments that a customer goes through before making vendor selection. And now in a subscription model, post-transaction, which is the first 30 days with the customer, every 30 days forever to retain and enrich that contract, all six of those swim lanes all have their own KPIs. And to drive those KPIs, you need a whole new set of technology to do that. So Scott, those KPIs to me seem to be uh, relatively traditional if you're embedded in a SaaS model, if you're embedded in, you know, uh, what, what you do, um, are, the, are those KPIs uh, elements that you need to be addressing when you're talking to new customers or existing customers? Uh, absolutely. I mean, if you look at the classic old renewal business, this is just renewal business running at a cadence of 30 days rather than 365 days or even longer. Um to Jay's point about churn, we're now dealing with what telcos have been dealing with for years, which is everything's about as many customers in a month as I can retain and prevent them leaving the building. So what's my next offer? What's my upgrade? What else can I offer? You see power companies offering cellular phone uh, you know, deals or you see um, mobile phone companies offering other sort of um you know, uh, internet connectivity pieces for your, because they're trying to add that, do that cross-sale or upsell piece themselves. So in a classic context, you have to be a lot more efficient at that product lifecycle piece because it's every 30 days or thereabouts. Mm. Mm. And even consumption, we're working with a US manufacturer at the moment that they've worked out that if they do it every 30 days, they're missing money because some of the channel are smart enough to work out if they ramp up consumption in the middle of the month but drop it off before the 30 days, then they only get billed at the 30-day mark. So we've put in some processes to prevent that happening so that as soon as they blip up and this is pure consumption, they're absolutely getting nailed for every processor they're consuming rather than at the end of the month, I'll just see how many they've got and add that up. And that's there's still a lot of companies that haven't even got to that stage of doing it every 30 days or, or don't have the processes to do that. Right. Yeah, because, Jay, um, a, a lot of the analysis that I'm doing, and I want to camp, compare notes with your analysis, um, and this is uh, this is uh, on-the-street analysis that I'm talking because it's customer customer discussions and, you know, 
I don't just sit here and do channel talks. I go out there and sell lots of stuff as well. And when uh, when I talk to a customer or a prospect uh, and we do a, a proof of concept, the thing that blows them away the most when we give them back their data is the amount of churn they've lost. They just had no concept of it. And my view is it's not that they didn't get the recurring piece of business. It's that piece of business moved to another platform or moved to another way of their customers, other way of consuming the technology that they were receiving before. So they weren't even thinking about a lateral shift. They were only thinking about a, a recurring revenue uh, entitlement, if you like. How does that um, compare to the, the the data that you're seeing and the data that you're you're generating? Yeah, one interesting thing to to dive into that is, uh, mm-hmm. and I've seen in the last six months, um, one of the big changes on back to the organization side of things. You know, we talked about the ecosystem chief. We talked about the six vice presidents. The interesting thing is, underneath those vice presidents, there's no organization. It all gets embedded into the company. And forever, for 40 years, the channel has already always been its own department. And again, it doesn't matter if you're a technology company, a car company, yeah. uh, you know, if you're a McDonald's selling through franchises, the 75% of world trade has always sat out in its own organization. The Harvard Business Review would talk about the channel chief, kind of like a general manager or a CEO type that would have a head of sales, head of marketing, head of operations, head of finance reporting to them where this isn't taking shape in the ecosystem world. They understand that to drive technology alliances, you're gonna embed people in the product and product groups. Same with strategy, same with the business level. But when you get into the influence style channel, you're gonna embed people in marketing. So if you ask about KPIs, they are the marketing KPIs that we have today, the MQLs and the SQLs and and things like that. But you realize that the best marketing department in the world may earn one, two, three, maybe four Uh, moments in that 28 moment long journey. So the other 24 moments are owned by third parties who ought to be partners. These aren't just a list in your marketing group of influencers. These are literally people that as partnerships, you can onboard them and enable them, engage with them and get them to do their job better and share data with them and attribute what they do better. All of that embedded in the organization is different than having channel marketing or ecosystem marketing somewhere in another silo in your company. It's embedded. Same thing with sales. And what you're talking about is customer success. So we understand, you know, whether it's every 30 days forever, whether it's every year forever, nowadays in SaaS, it could be every three years forever, given the contracts that they're writing. The fact of the matter is to do all of those things, all of the adoption and the integration, stickiness, habit forming, enrichment that we talked about that's happening consistently, it's the same thing as marketing. You know, our team, our customer success mission may be involved with that particular customer up until this point or up in this percentage of each month, you know, providing that customer for life, but understanding that the average customer today has seven different partners across the journey. And we start start to have to attribute the work that those other partners are doing in customer success, really judging our own KPIs and doing work through our own product and everything else to measure and monitor and manage this long-term. Right. So understanding that those professionals in that retention channel don't report into the ecosystem. They may dotted line into the ecosystem, but they actually report into the head of customer success. And now you've got a six swim lanes all embedded in the organization 
they actually took the model not from the channel, which is its own silo. They took the model actually from data science. So you have a head, you know, CTO or CDO, but that person doesn't build out their own silo of data scientists running around the building. They embedded data scientists in the marketing function, sales, customer success, finance, operations, HR, those data science professionals dotted line back to an executive that understands and can move data around the organization for the success of the organization. Yeah. Understands the success of the mission itself is being in every meeting room, every boardroom, up and down the organization and providing that third party perspective, which in almost every conversation is 80% of the, the battle. Yeah. 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 Scott, do you have anything to add to that before I dig right into that customer success bit? Because that has come up a lot in, in the questions that need to be answered. Well, uh, I think um, like any, if you look at any of these matrices reporting organizations, the challenge is always the dotted lines, right? Right. How effective those dotted lines are. Um, in my experience, some of the legacy companies haven't even moved to that kind of level at this stage. And I've always been an advocate that in, inside an organization, the, the channel chief's kind of the person they stick at the end of the, the table in the boardroom who's got no power. They just sit there and, you know, sales is most important, CFO is most important, you know, but they roll down. So hopefully the ecosystem chief might actually drag these relationships up in a level of importance with the organization. So my only concern is being inside these organizations is those dotted lines often struggle.